I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. As Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount, he does so with what many preachers do. They issue the call to action, the call to response. And Jesus' response that he calls for is driven home, and it's masterfully demonstrated by his use of repeated and rapid-fire dichotomies. So as we get ready to read this passage, for example, you'll, you'll notice a series, a, a nonstop series of, of, of dichotomous things, things opposed. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the narrow gate, the wide gate, the narrow path, the broad way. You have life, you have destruction, you have the few who find the one, the many who find the other. You have sheeps and wolves, true prophets, false prophets, good fruit, bad fruit, good tree, bad tree, grapes, thorn bushes, figs, thistles, doers of his will, mere professors, wise man, foolish man, rock, sand, did not fall, loud crash. See, see how Jesus does that? And it makes a powerful case for what he's trying to drive home. So turn with me, brothers and sisters, to Matthew 7. As we pick up in verse 13 and read through the end of the chapter. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the living God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this word. Jesus, we praise your name. You indeed are the light of the world, and you speak only the truth. Grant that with humble, contrite, and obedient hearts, we would follow you. It's in your name we pray, O Lord. Amen. Well, today is Palm Sunday, and we celebrate and remember the fact that that Holy Week begins today. That on this day in history, Jesus, after making his way to Jerusalem from Galilee, accompanied by an ever-swelling swarm of people, he's finally at the gates of Jerusalem, and he's entering the city to loud acclaim and fanfare. They lay palm branches on the ground. They lay their jackets on the ground, lest his feet should tread on dirt and dust. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Son of David, King of Israel. The messianic calls and implications were clear. It drove the religious leaders nuts. Teacher, silence these people. And Jesus' response is famously, if they were to be silent, the very rocks would cry out. On the eve of the commencement of the week, leading to his death and triumph over the grave, on this eve, he enters the holy city as king, but not the king they were seeking, but the king they needed, the king that God had ordained for them. And they, of course, ultimately rejected it. But the events of this first, or I should say the second, because there was a first triumphal entry, of this triumphal entry bring us to the point. Who do you say Jesus is? When you are confronted with him, who do you say that he is? Do you greet his arrival with fanfare and praise? Or do you greet his arrival with disdain and disgust? Or perhaps worst of all, indifference and ambivalence. Approximately 1,400 years before Jesus, Moses the great lawgiver. As the people of Israel had concluded their 40 years of wandering and they're on the plains of Moab, 
Moses is soon to die. Joshua is about to lead them into the Holy Land. He leads them in this covenant renewal service. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he discusses in great detail the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. And then he sums it up in Deuteronomy 30 with this. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you this day by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession. But if your hearts turn away and you will not hear, and you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you will surely perish. Fast forward a few decades, a couple decades. Joshua is at the end of his life. He's led the people in glorious conquest. And the land has been divided and allotted to the tribes according to their number. An old man, Joshua, who's about himself to die, calls the people to choose. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Is it onerous to you to serve the Lord? Will you serve instead the gods of the land? Who will you serve? Choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fast forward. Psalm 1, at the very head of the wisdom literature, comes out the gate by asserting to us that there are fundamentally two ways you can go. There's the way of the wicked, and there's the way of the righteous. Sometime later in 1 Kings 18, atop Mount Carmel, the prophet Elijah is exasperated with the people. The nonstop waffling. He's one of just a handful of faithful servants of Yahweh left in the country. And he says to the people, how long will you go on limping between two choices? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if it's Baal, then follow him. Jesus, in similar manner then, gives you a choice. Before you are set two gates, two ways you can go, and they are diametrically opposed. Jesus says there's the broad and easy way. And you look through this wide 
spacious gate and you see this lovely, well-paved, even, smooth, flat, level road. And you glimpse beside it and you see this gate overgrown with vines and thorns and you look and it it looks like a trail from a from a mountain indian crossing over bushes over rocks uneven unlevel and unappealing choose for yourselves this day which way Will you go? The broad way, the easy way in Jesus' day was likely to follow along with the teaching of the Pharisees. The culture in every age and every place exerts a pressure. And every culture, every organization, every human group loves people who go along with the flow. Stay in line and you'll do just fine. Keep your head down and it won't get whacked. The easy way. But as we are reminded in the Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. You see, the the easy way, the broad way, is, is much like the Niagara River in New York, Buffalo, A mere 200 meters from the precipice of that monstrous waterfall. The water is calm enough that, I mean, it it, it doesn't look dangerous or threatening or imposing at all. And the easy way is like that. You go with the flow. You do what's expected of you by your society. You follow your heart. And right up to the bitter end, you think all is well. And then, only then, as you're tottering over the edge and you realize what's about to befall and it's too late. And Jesus points us to the narrow path. The way that's hard, hard. I thought thought Jesus is going to tell us in Matthew 11 that we should come to him and take his burden and his yoke because it's light and easy. What do you mean the way is hard? Not that his commands are hard, but the way. It's the way of defying the culture that you're in. It's the way of denying the flesh. It's the way of waging war against all the great threats that that assail us, that are utterly at ease with you when you're in the broad way. It is the way of a warrior 
the way of a sojourner who's making their way in this life in faithful obedience despite all the conflicts and troubles that assail them precisely because they're following a different Lord. And it looks hard. It looks tedious. It looks difficult. But only after you climb the great heights and struggle grasping hand over foot to make progress, do, do you get and you see the great vista? And you see the inheritance that is before. Choose yourselves this day. Which way will you embark upon? Jesus warns us of the false prophets and the false professions that are so likely to ensnare us, try to get us to leave the narrow way and make it back to the broad way. And how are we to know? Because wordsmiths are many. Word games are plentiful. Some people can weave words of webs of words that, that, that leave you mind-boggled. And it sounds so smart. And it seems to make so much sense. How do you know? Sadly, too many people think of false teachers primarily in terms of the bad and untrue things they teach. I challenge you, look, look at uh, the New Testament by and large, and it's true, they're teaching untrue things, but they're identified primarily not by what they teach, but by their character and conduct, the fruit of their lives. Some of you may be tempted to give credence to someone who demonstrates spectacular workings of the Spirit. Many Christians are, are blinded by the luster of a, of a minister or a teacher or, or, or a ministry that is, that is aglow with the apparent working of the Holy Spirit. Did we not cast out demons? Did we not work miracles? Did we not prophesy? And every single time they say, did we not do this in your name, in your name, in your name? Indicating they want to associate with Jesus. But yet Jesus tells us that the dangers posed by these false teachers are revealed by the godless conduct of their lives. You want to identify a false teacher, the fastest way is to look at their lives. According to Jesus, it literally doesn't matter if they cast out demons 
or performed miracles or prophesied. It doesn't matter if the Holy Spirit used them like a flesh puppet and they did amazing things. They are workers of lawlessness. And Jesus says to depart from him because he never knew them. That's an astonishing phrase. But it's not just the false prophets to beware of. It's the false professions. Three times in these middle verses here, we are told that ultimately the one who is accepted and approved is the doer of God's will. Three times the doer of God's will. R.C. Sproul, in his commentary on this passage, does to frightening effect a, a, a pretty comprehensive study on the usage of, of the doubling of name. Lord, Lord, here. And he traces the doubling of name through, throughout Scripture every single time. It's used in scripture. It's used as a form of affection. And so R.C. Sproul's point here is this. There are many who have affection for Jesus. They are like the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right. And by saying just all right, they don't mean it in the modern all right is like a uh, mediocre. No, they mean the 60s slang. He's groovy. He's spectacular. He's awesome. There's a lot of worldlings who think they've grasped on to some aspect of Jesus' teaching in isolation from the totality of his person and work, and they think he's a righteous dude. To leap forward to the 80s. Mere affection, mere association, mere verbal assent is not enough. It's the doer. And of course, Jesus is here. He's, he's speaking about the same thing James does, isn't he? You show me your faith by your words. Ha, I'll show you my faith by my works because faith without works is a dead faith. It's no faith at all. It's mere assent. It's mere lip service. And Jesus will have no lip service. Beware of false prophets. Guard against false profession. Stay in the way. And you may be tempted to say, whoa, Jesus is really intense here. Whoa, few that find it? That doesn't sound gracious and loving enough. I want many to find it. We are called then, in his closing words, to submit to his absolute and sovereign authority. These words of mine, they are such life that if you hear them and do them, your future is secure. If you hear them and don't do them, your future is catastrophic. 
Jesus tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the principal commandment of God for us, as we learn from John 6, 29, is to believe on him whom he has sent. Jesus. Jesus is the one who takes our sin upon his shoulders. Jesus is the one who addresses our brokenheartedness, our spiritual poverty, our spiritual lack that he addressed at the beginning of the sermon. Jesus is the one who fills us with the righteousness we seek. But then as our Lord, he sets us on the way we should go. And he equips us with the Spirit. And he grants to us the ordinary means of grace that we might be strengthened. And he calls you to persevere. To march ever onward. To live as befits a citizen of heaven. There are two ways set before you. The broad, easy way. Whose end is catastrophic. There's the way that appears hard and difficult, but it's the way of life and blessing. Which way will you choose? Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for Jesus being our king. His authority is unparalleled because you have set all creation under his feet. We ask, O oh God, that we would have the faithfulness to respond in obedience and love and pursue him and his purposes wherever they lead. That we would avoid the wide plain. We would be attentive and watchful for false prophets and we would seek to root out false professions and we would kill sinful impulses within ourselves, and we would live as befits your people. You have told us the truth. Grant that we would receive and apply it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.